Keeping both units on in here today. It's going to be 100 outside, but you're good in here. Unless God's word gets a little too hot for us, I don't know. Good morning, my name is Carrie. If you're new with us today, thanks for coming and just hanging with us. A lot of comings and goings during the summer for sure. And uh, we are just always glad to be able to gather and, and do what we've been doing, which is worship our Lord Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me? God, today we ask that through your spirit you would bring encouragement to our hearts as we seek to know you more. Lord, as we dive into a psalm today that's very familiar to us, may you speak to us in a fresh way and encourage us to live our lives flat out for you because you laid down your life for us. God, in your name we pray. Amen. How many of you are channel surfers? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can tell. There's a few of you. And, and maybe it's channel surfing on televisions. Like, I don't like that show, so you click it. For me, it's not too difficult necessarily. It's either sports or news, and so there's limited channels on that. But uh, people like to channel surf. Maybe you're in the car and um, you're listening to your playlist, right? And a song comes up that's just not quite right song for that day. And, or you're annoyed by it. Or your kid is playing some song, and you're like, just, can you move on from that song? You ever get that place? You just click it, move on, click it, move on. I don't like that one. I have said in cars, literally, I don't know if it's country music people or what the deal is, but they, <laughs> they, they can just sort of go like 10 songs, click, 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 click. And I'm like, would you please just stop and listen to one song, right? Well, I tell you what, I'm guilty of that, not with country music by any means, but I am guilty of that sometimes with Scripture. You know, sometimes you've been told that you need to just sort of open the Word of God and point to something and read it. That's really not the best way to read Scripture, to hear from God's voice. But I tell you what, we are in this series on the Summer Psalms, and the Summer Psalms, it's okay to do that. In fact, I do it a lot with the Psalms. There's 150 Psalms written over a period of a 1,000 years that are in the middle part of your Bible, go back 3,000 or so years, and, and it's a playlist of the Hebrew people as they were worshiping God or they were seeking God. In particular, King David had a lot of the psalms, the poems, the petitions, the prayers, the laments that he wrote. And the psalms help you connect emotionally with God. And the reason that we click channels or push the play button, is because different emotions are going on inside of us at different times, at different parts of the week. And so what I do sometimes with the Psalms is I like, Lord, I just need to hear from you. Or I need to hear from somebody crying out to you from the Psalms. And I'll start reading one and I'm like, nope, that's not me. Okay. And I'll go to another one. And then I click and it's like, well, that, that works. Ooh, that just sort of headed in a different direction. Okay, I'm going to read one. But inevitably, I find a Psalm that can minister to my heart at all kinds of seasons of life. And the Psalms are God's gift to us, I believe, through these years to commune back with Him. You probably didn't realize it, but a couple of the songs that we sang here this morning, the wording in those songs came from the Psalms. And so what the Israelites would do is they'd take these psalms and they would declare them. They would sing them. Some of them were journey songs we talked about. And so they would be lifting up the praise that's in that particular song. Don't neglect the psalms. That's why we're parked here for the summer. 
hit and miss as we come and go during the summer. But today we're going to pick back up on a psalm last week that we didn't get to finish. And that is Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is the most popular psalm, one of the most popular scriptures. We closed last week the same song that you just heard while you were doing Turn and Greet. And it was Keith Green's song when he is singing and declaring Psalm 23. And every time I hear Keith Green sing that song from years past, I just locked into a certain season of my life when God did such great ministry in my soul and called me out to serve him for his purposes. But Psalm 23 is rich and deep. We could spend actually several weeks on it. Last week, we did the first part of it, and we talked about the shepherd in the calm. I want you to read the psalm with me again this morning. Will you do that? Here we go. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen? How many of you have that psalm memorized? Come on, you can be honest. I won't, I won't call you out this morning. It's a great psalm to have memorized. But as we looked at last week, it's not a psalm, though it's used often in funerals, it's not a song about death. It's a song about life. And it starts out and it says, The Lord is whose shepherd? My shepherd. And the visual analogy of that, of someone who's taking care of the flock and caring for the sheep, and when the sheep goes astray, goes and finds that sheep, right? Feeds the sheep, makes sure the sheep's around the, the right kind of waters. A shepherd is someone who deeply cares for that which is its possession, or that's what uh, his stewarding. And so God is your shepherd. And sometimes we are like bleeding sheeps and we go astray and we do all kinds of crazy things from one week to the next. In fact, you might have been out there doing some crazy things this week and lost in the bushes and the briars and falling here and there. But the good shepherd has his eye on you and he cares. But it said last week we mentioned that the Lord's my shepherd. I shall not be in want. In other words, I won't go from one thing to another. I wish I had that. 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 No, when you find God as your shepherd, when his reckless love wrecks your life and takes hold of you, and you get a hold of that day in and day out, you come to a place where there's not as many wants. But the shepherd will make sure that he has provision for you for what you need. I remember early on with my children with television, trying to teach them about the commercials. There's a difference between I want and I need, right? And usually they start out real little saying what? I need that. I need that. I go, no, you do not need that. You want that, and there's a big difference. When the Lord's your shepherd and you are not in a place of want, he brings satisfaction to your heart and your life. Maybe you've walked with God a long time. You've discovered him as your shepherd and you've experienced his provision this week, and you relish in that. 
God bless you. Maybe, though, you are here and you've never discovered that the Lord Jesus Christ can be your personal shepherd by inviting him into your life to lead you, to guide you, to direct you. There's no one better to direct your life than him. So the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then it had these three phrases in it. It had, he makes me lie down, he leads me beside, and he restores, and he leads me in paths. So the shepherd is doing things actively in our lives, right? And as he's doing these things, he is making sure that we have our needs met. We saw the analogy last week, the green pastures aren't these big, lushful green fields necessarily in the Middle East at the time, but they would walk their sheep around and they'd find little tufts of grass that were growing by the rocks because of the dew and the moisture that would come from the sea because it was a desert area. And so green pastures aren't necessarily always lushful things, but God will lead you touch by touch to everything that you need. He is desirous to lead you in places that bring calm to your life. Have you had a hectic week? I had a hectic week. It was a full week. I'm like, wow, how'd it get me Sunday again? Oh, I'm on. <laughs> That's what happens in a pastor's mind. Calm waters. Calm waters come from deep waters and he wants to lead you to depth not shallowness in your life because he wants to restore your soul we said last week john wesley used to articulate to uh, those in his methodist circles early on the question he'd go around with john wesley does how are things with your soul and it's a deeper kind of question not how are things at school, how are things at work, how are things in the family, how are your kids doing, what are you doing for a vacation, how are things with your soul. And then he leads you in paths of righteousness, places that are right. But then we also mentioned that it's not just in nice places, but there's tough places. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. There's always valleys of darkness that we walk into. It's like alleyways. You like walking into a dark alley? No, thank you. But God is with you in the midst of even dark places. And in those valleys, you don't sit in the mud puddle and stay there. You're walking through the valley, even though it may be a tough time right now. And as you walk through the valley, you're going to gain the rod and the staff a source of protection and guidance and even sometimes gentle rebuke, that God is going to provide things in the valley you can never get on the mountaintop. So don't live life like you want to jump from mountaintop to mountaintop. Mountaintop experiences are great, but it's in the valleys, and some of you are in the valley this morning. God can give you richness and strength, his rod and his staff. So there you go. That was the review from last week. We summed it up this way. With Jesus as my good and faithful shepherd... I will trust his provision and his protection, and I will enjoy his presence and his pleasure each day forever and ever. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So, it's summertime. Trust me, I want to jump in the second part of this psalm. But I felt led this morning to just pause. Because you see, this isn't about a pastor getting up and spewing out his thoughts concerning a psalm. This is an experience for us this summer in the psalms. And maybe you have been reading in the psalms. Maybe there's something you've found. Maybe there's a word of truth that's been brought to you. And we're just going to go around and do an open mic for a little bit. And is there anyone here who could say, The Lord is my shepherd, and he has given me his provision. 
and then share what that provision is. Maybe he's provided something in your life this week, whether that be financially, encouragement, relationally, whatever it may be. And maybe you could say, well, the Lord is my shepherd, and he has given me this protection this week. He protected me from such and such. Or maybe your testimony today is, the Lord is my shepherd, and I found his presence in the midst of, maybe it's a valley experience, or you saw the beauty of him on top of a, a mountain peak. And you can share with that what that is. The Lord is my shepherd, and I have found his pleasure, his joy in my life. All right? So, now the spontaneous, I know sometimes this doesn't work, so don't be embarrassed. I'll take on the embarrassment of everybody. But I do believe that when the body of Christ comes together, and they share about this in Scripture, that they met in their homes, and they shared on the apostles' teaching, right? We're sharing about the scriptural teaching this morning, and then they broke bread with one another. It was community. So, Sunday morning church... I really don't like it to be a spectator sport. It's not. It's participatory. That's the way the worship is. So this is a participatory time. Can you stand this morning, say your name, my name is so-and-so, the Lord is my shepherd, and then tell us of a provision, a protection, a presence, or a pleasure that's happened recently this summer in your life. You ready? Just raise your hand and you get the mic. Anyone? All right, we're going to start on this side so this side can get their act together. All right. Your name, and I know it may be facetious, but I want you to say the Lord is my shepherd and then tell us how he's been your shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. My name is Sue Hall, and I truly believe that he led me to this church where I have received so much outreach already and feel so connected, and that's a true provision and blessing in my life. Oh, thank you, Sue. The Lord is my shepherd, and I moved down in March, and he gave me a job, which is absolutely perfect for me. That's great. This is Heather. I'm Heather. <laughs> <laughs> All right, someone else. Are we over here? Are we good? Are we good? Who else? See, sometimes it takes you a while. Oh, yes, the Lord's been very good to me this week. Yes, what is it that he's been good about? My name is John, and the Lord is my shepherd, and I find more and more enjoyment in his presence. The older I get... And I'm not that old, but I'm getting there, believe me. His presence is all that matters. Things I enjoyed as a teenager or a young adult, they don't mean much anymore. They just don't give me the, the thrill that, in my youth, let's put it that way. And I still enjoy things, but I'm finding more and more I enjoy his presence because in the end, that's all that matters. And in the end, that's where we're going to be is in his presence. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, John. You guys giving me a workout. I understand that. That's great. That's all right. I like coming over here. The fans working over here. Hi, I'm Christina. The Lord is my shepherd. And the other night... My son comes walking in the door, and he goes, Hello, is it me you're looking for? <laughs> and I was taking a drink of water, and I sp 
spat it out like all over the kitchen floor and I was like, excuse me, what did you just say? And he goes, what? He goes, you look scared or something. And I'm like, well, and he was like, what? He said, well, I was just praying, just praying just now. And then you said that. And I was just like, wow. And I'm like, and that's one of the big reasons why I'm here this morning. So, yeah. That's great. Good to see you, Christina. All right. I don't wait long. You're eating into my time. But no, just kidding. Just Hey, everybody. <laughs> my name's Kimmy. The Lord is my shepherd. I was sitting in Starbucks with a friend complaining and uh, because, you know, things aren't going my way. And I went over and looked at the bulletin board, and it had a, a request for volunteers for hospice. And that was God, because I was trying to find where I fit. And he provided that. And I just was stunned that he does things like that. I forget. And I am so blessed. Have a great day, you guys. Thanks, Timmy. All right, I'll go with a couple. Oh, here we go. I made it easy, Mike. Hi, my name's Mike. Lord's my shepherd. Uh, he's parked me on Psalm 42 for the past couple weeks. And... It really has impacted me uh, that he is my provider, my protection, my pleasure. Um, so I just, I, I've, I've been on that psalm, and uh, it's, it's just been a, a blessing in my life. That's great. Psalm 42. Some of you, I mentioned it last week. If you have a favorite psalm you want to put down on the back of your Connect card, please do so. I don't know if we can get to it. Several of you actually put down Psalm 91. That's a really long psalm, but that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> You guys stand up, Amalia. I'm sorry. <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. My name is Amalia. And I restore always my soul. They guide, guide me in my path for, for righteousness. Righteousness. Sake. Yes. This is my pastor. <laughs> Thank you, Amalia. All right. Oh, we're, we're walking our way back here. I'll get you, Tom. You're on my way here to Jim. So. Uh, my name's Tom. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd. Uh, my favorite psalm is actually Psalms 27. But uh, the Lord protected me this week because I was out of country for a while. And in Mexico, and uh, we were on a little mission trip down there. And uh, Bob Fugat, the missionary we were visiting, he was driving through those streets like a madman. <laughs> and he protected us in a big way there and in other ways as well. <laughs> I told Tom I got to take him to India. That's a whole different level. Hello, this is my first time here. And the Lord is my shepherd because he directs me in this church. I'm looking for a home church. I just moved from Texas three years ago. <clears throat> and I'm here with my family. By the way, my name is Arla. Thank you. Arla, thank you for coming. Thank you for being bold and standing up. We're at in Texas. Houston. 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 That man right there. 
Stay away from me. He's from Houston, <laughs> Texas, right there. My name is Jim, and the Lord is my shepherd. And our youngest daughter, Karina, is married to a Marine, and he's deployed for several months right now in Afghanistan. And we were having some lunch with Karina the other day, and uh, she was very worried because every once in a while, Hunter goes out on patrol, and she always gets worried about him. And uh, so I said, well, let's just stop and pray for Hunter right now. So we just stopped and prayed that God would keep him safe and that he would be a good testimony with the other men he's with. And uh, we finished praying, and about 30 seconds later, she got a text from Hunter saying, just finished patrol, everything was safe. And mm. I was just reminded, God hears our prayers and answers them. Oh, and that's the uh, way he takes care of us. That's such a journey for her. All right. I'm sorry. I'm giving you a hard time. He's a great person to connect with. I'm an Indianapolis Colts fan. He's a Houston Texan fan. That's why we have this adversarial relationship. Hi, my name is Frank. The Lord is my shepherd. Um, we had concerns moving here a while back, right? Concerned about the building, concerned about everything involved in shifting from where we were. And what the Lord has brought us is a constant influx of new faces and new people that, that are coming and visiting us. And that is mm -hmm. the most incredible blessing for, for our church and, and, yeah. and leadership, just to be able to look out and see that, yes, yeah, mm -hmm. we're, we're really touching people. We had meetings Thursday, and that was one of the great things we got to, to talk to some people about related to the, some of the church stuff about the, just the blessing of seeing new people. And I'm also, he also blessed me with a 15-and-a-half-year-old who's teaching in there who got a learner's permit this week. So maybe you could, maybe y'all pray for me about that. The Lord is your shepherd. Yes, indeed. Hey, just to highlight on that, we did meet this week with the Alliance folks about the loan for us being able to buy the building. Keep praying. We thought the meeting went pretty good on Thursday. They kept smiling at us all the way till the end, so that was good news. But we should know by the end of the month. I had a couple people over here. All right. You're good? And Hello, my name is Randall. The Lord is my shepherd. And I just wanted to uh, thank the Lord for this year. We're expecting another baby in September. So he's blessed us with a healthy pregnancy and uh, just a lot of stability in our home spiritually this year. So we're, we're very blessed. That's great. Appreciate that, Randall. Hi, my name is Pierce. Wow. Um, the Lord is my shepherd, and a couple weeks ago, I had a pretty severe meltdown. I'm getting married, if none of you know that. Um, fiance's right here. And that's stressful. Um, <laughs> so I was having a meltdown, and then that same day, uh, just out of the blue, I was praying, and I was like, God, just please calm me down. And right out of the blue, one of my friends uh, immediately texted me and said, hey, God told me to see if you're okay. Are you okay? <laughs> and I just felt super seen, and that was awesome. All right. Are we good? We good? If you didn't get a share, then share with the person beside you on your way out today, all right? I want to have us move on then from the front part of this psalm, Psalm 23, uh, the Lord is my shepherd. There's this visual that David paints about the shepherd. 
But also in David's heart is this longing to be in the temple of God. Even though he was not at a place yet where that temple had been built and everything. But a temple represents the presence of God. And so he had a longing to be in the presence of God. And this longing, I think, is, is catapulted into the future when there's this longing for us to be in the presence of God in the new heaven and the new earth and all that God has planned for those who have chosen to be followers of him that are freshly redeemed. There's this longing in our heart. You know, as John mentioned over here, you know, the older you get, you just want his presence and, and, and to be in his pleasure. And so the things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and face. And, and you're like, I just want that. And so you, you find David in this psalm also longing for not uh, just God to be his shepherd, and David was a shepherd, but for God to be the one who hosts him in his temple in all of his glory. And so last week we tagged at the shepherd and the calm. Today I just sort of tagged some of these thoughts with the remaining verses of this psalm, the host and the feast. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Do you catch the image of this? It's a radical shift from the shepherding image to the image of being in a home, in a palace, if you will, a temple, some, somewhere with, where there's grandeur. And he's saying that God is not only his shepherd, but God is his host. And as a host, he's preparing a table before him. And he's anointing his head with oil. And his cup overflows. This is a part of the psalm that has immense joy to it. Have you ever been invited to somebody's house and they've really treated you well? And they've treated you right and you're going like, that was spectacular. That was an incredible meal. That was just a special time. I, I just enjoyed that so much. And so we have these moments where we experience what God is doing in our life by his direct provision for us. In Psalm 45, 7, and I could really augment so many things that we're sharing through this summer with other Chris doing cross-referencing of one psalm to another. But Psalm 45, 7 says this, Therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. He's just heaping joy upon you. Some of you maybe remember your college years and I used to be college and career pastor at a large church back in Indiana. And we would uh, provide uh, college students with adoptive parents. It's really a great idea. While they're away at college, they could have uh, a couple that would be like their adopted parents. Their home would, would be open if they needed to get away from campus to study. They'd come to church. We, I don't know, we probably had a hundred and some college kids that I was overseeing mostly uh, during that season, and they would go and they would uh, have a meal. Not the dining commons meal. They would have a real meal in a real home. And there was just pleasure and delight to be able to go into that home as a college student. Oh, thank you so much. Well, here's the image of you and your weariness of life, you being on the campus of the everyday work world, and you have the opportunity to come and to sit at the table and have the host 
provide for you this extravagant meal and heap upon you oils of gladness and richness. You are invited to spend time with God in this image of Psalm 23. Luke 12, 37 says this, The servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. I tell you the truth, he himself will sit with them, put on an apron, and serve them as they sit and they eat. This is Jesus talking about the end times in the book of Luke. And so in the Gospel of Luke, he's encouraging them about how to get ready for the end times. But in this, he's describing the time that you will have when you see with the Lord and are in his presence eternally as one where you're being rewarded. And that you're able to sit at a table and God himself, this master, will put on the apron and serve you. Sit and eat fellowship. Oh, I just love sitting on the beach in the sun. I like taking a cruise. I like going to the mountains and just hearing the wind blow. What what is it that you like to do when you sit back and just take it in? Well, that's what you get to do with God. And it's not only in the end times, but it's here. And David is saying, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and you anoint my head with oil. I have this lavish dinner, this meal, this sense of relaxation, and you are providing for me. It's almost like you're the only one at the table. Beautiful imagery. You've got to get a hold of that imagery for you to understand the other part that's mentioned here, in the presence of mine enemies. We were uh, definitely hosted well in Guadalajara this last week. We were hosted by a missionary couple that I was encouraged by Steve Riley, actually, who's a part of our church and uh, helps lead our district for the Christian Missionary Alliance. He says, you need to get to know Bob and Cheryl Fugate. And so Tom Parnakian... Debbie Parnacki and I went with Bill Mangum, who also works in our district and used to oversee all the missionary fields in Latin America. And we went to visit the Fugates in Guadalajara to see how maybe we might partner with them as a church here in the States. And Bob and Cheryl uh, were just as depicted. Steve, thanks. Uh, they're wired in a way, and I, I, they got fire and a spark, and they got challenges for sure. But we connected and had a lot of chemistry. They hosted us well in their home. Some of you know that being a Midwest farm boy, meat and potatoes, Mexican foods, not my specialty. But it was some good Mexican food down there. I was glad when I was back home, though, that I didn't have to eat Mexican. (laughs) They hosted us very well. Food, hospitality, we stayed in their home. They took us around to meet several Uh, The missionaries, which are up here on the left-hand side, they also took us to meet some national pastors, share with us their vision. We were hosted well by them, and we thank them for that. I'll probably have Tom and Debbie share in the coming weeks a little bit more and dig through some of the interactions that we had and opportunities. But this verse, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, sort of came to life a little bit as we were spending time with them. What's depicted here is this idea that God is preparing something beautiful for you. And you can have it in your everyday experience by his richness. The richness of his word and the things that are extended to you. His love, his grace, his tender uh, 
loving kindness. We have these blessings to receive. But, guess what? There's an enemy. And the enemy wants you not to enjoy what's at the table. And the enemy will seek your demise. And the enemy will attack you. I want to talk about that enemy in a second. But we were attacked in Guadalajara. Not by what you might think. The cartel stayed away from us. That was good. We were attacked by Africanized honeybees. Have any of you ever heard of such thing? I never had. Here is a picture of the property. They are seeking to do a, uh, a church building on this three-quarters acre piece of property in Guadalajara, part of their 5525 vision, five churches locally, five in the surrounding states by the year 2025. Great vision. So we dialed into that. They took us to a piece of property where they said, hey, on this piece of property, you uh, will see where we want to build. And, and I don't know if their church is wanting to partner with it, encourage us, whatever. This is what we're doing, man. We're going to get at it. And we've already got uh, our churches grown up to 100, 120. And we're going to spin off 30 of those people and they're going to go and we're going to build this other place. So it was a lot of excitement. So we were really jacked and pumped to say, yeah, let's go see the property. And so we pulled into this piece of property. We pulled in through this gate. We pulled around here and we got out to look at the piece of property. And I'm like, this is it, huh? Well, I take, got my camera out. I'm ready to go. In fact, you know, uh, later, uh, you know, Bob and I are up on a hill. We're excited. But that's not what happened when we first pulled into the piece of property. In fact, these pictures here were taken the day later. Because when we pulled into this piece of property, and we literally parked the car right here. Whoa. Sorry, Steve. We parked the car right there. There was a bulldozer who was told not to attack the big wheel tire that had a bunch of these bees in it over by that wall. And sure enough, I step out, I'm ready to take my picture, and Bob comes running back because he was heading over there to say, hey, make sure you don't hit those bees. He hit those bees, and there's a swarm of bees flying at us. And these bees are coming at us, and I'm like, what? Get in the car! And we're like, okay, we're back in the car, and we're flying in. But before I could get in the car, I got stung. I got stung here. I got stung here, and I was in the process of getting stung more, so I jump in the car with the Parnakians, with Bill Mangum, I think, and Bob, and we're going to drive outside the gate. We've got to get away from these bees, right? Except the bees had come inside the car, too. All right, so they're swine around. We've got to park the car outside the gate. We've got outside the gate. Get the bees out of here. And there was somebody across the way just looking at us going, well, they are crazy, right? And, and these bees... I. I'm a farm kid. I mean, you just stay clear from bees. You ignore them, they'll ignore you. But Africanized bees do not do that if you ever come across them. I guess you don't know until you come across them. I didn't. Once they attack you, they just keep coming right at you. Buzz, buzz, buzz. And we were bitten up all over. Like, except for Debbie. She had some type of bug repellent on. I don't know what her deal was. And so we're all... We get out of the car. We're still swatting them. It's like, no, they're not leaving us. Get back in the car. We go another 20 yards down the road to get out. And it was one of the most chaotic little experiences I've ever had. These are my backup glasses today. They're all scratched because I lost my glasses in that field somewhere. Couldn't find them. 
They told me I could get a sermon illustration out of it, so that redeemed it. <laughs> so that's why I'm here today. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Friends, we have enemies. There's two kinds of enemies. There's demonic enemies and there's human enemies. The demonic enemies actually also stir up some of the old life within us. And that enemy, the old self, can come back too. But enemies will continue to attack us, whether in the spiritual realm or in the natural realm. And sometimes we get overwhelmed by our enemies. And they keep coming at us and keep coming at us. I tell you what, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ today, you will always be under enemy attack, not of Africanized bees. But you will be under attack of the demonic host who seek to tear you down. And this picture in Psalm 23 is a beautiful picture of having a feast with your enemies kept at bay, looking on and seeing what God's doing and pouring out his blessing in your life. You ever want to get back at someone? It's not a good thing to do. Revenge is not a good thing. But in the spiritual realm, I love to have revenge against the enemy. And the enemy wants to tear you down, take you down. When you fall down, people actually die for an Africanized bees. And I could see how it could happen. I'm still trying to heal the inside of my lip this morning because it was busted open from that bee. But if you're down, he wants to keep you down. Sometimes the attack comes right after a victory in your life. And whether it's orchestrated in the spiritual realm or it's in the natural realm and some things start to go against you at work or in your school or in, in, in your social arena, attacks can happen. But you need to take your rightful place at the table with the host and feast upon that which he has given to you and not back away. Because see, they're coming to gloat over you. They're coming to push you when you're down and say, oh, look at them now. Look what's going to happen to them now. Take, for instance, the story of a, of a guy would say he's a church elder, right? He has a bad, dark past, but God's redeemed and changed his lives. And by the grace of God, his past is covered with the blood of Jesus. And he's moved to this place of forgiveness and strength. He used to have a really bad temper. And God's enabled him to work through that. And he, he's being a responsible person. He's serving at his church. And he's a good uh, husband. And he's a good father. But he has a bad day at work. Things go wrong at work. In fact... Things go so wrong at work that he just wants to get in the car, head home, walk in the door, go to the bedroom, and face plant on the bed. That's all he wants to do. He gets in the car and he tries to reason with God, well, this and that happened and, 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 and what could have I done different, whatever it may be. But he walks in the door of his home and his wife has had a bad day too. The kids have been unruly, out of control, and she's just waiting for him to get home to deal with them. And so he walks in and she starts, you know, unloading everything that's been happening in the home. And he, and he is in such a discouraged, oppressed state from what's happened to him at work and circumstances that he just looks at her and he says, I don't want to talk about this now. Which does what to her? Infuriates her more, right? And she's like, well, how can you be that way? You're so irresponsible. And they start to have heated exchange back and forth, right? 
and then it, it goes to another level. You ever been in those fights, whether it's your spouse or somebody else? It's, it's sort of at this level. It's okay. And then it goes to this level. And then all of a sudden, it goes to a five-alarm fire. And you're like, how did it get to this? And before he knows it, he unloads a word or two that he hasn't used in a long time. And then she goes, oh, so is that how you, a godly man treats his wife? Is that how an elder of the church goes about living? You think you're so holy, but you're just phony. What happens to him in that moment? Well, he, he blows out the door. He just walks out. But when he walks out the door, he tries to get a hold of himself, says, what just happened to me? What's going on? I'm just such a terrible person. I just lit into my wife like that. I didn't provide things. And, and, and I can't believe I said that stuff. And he starts to maul over in his mind the condition of his own heart and, and what he is. I'm just, I've never changed and this type of thing. What's happening in that moment? The attack bees are at him. You're terrible. You're like this. You're no good. You're just saying you've always been. Who do you think you are? You're a phony. And in that moment, you cannot listen to the adversary. Or sometimes, even if you have human enemies, I'm not saying the wife is a human enemy, but God, I mean, he knows, man, how we're all wired with our sinful nature. And sometimes we end up being used to bring demise into other people's lives. And so he, in that moment, tries to center himself and seek his rightful place at the table. And the first item of food on the table is forgiveness. And so he asked God to forgive him. He is faithful and just to forgive those who come to him. Repentance is so critical in that moment. Yeah, he will later need to ask for forgiveness and repent to his wife. But in that moment, when he is before the one who has the apron around him, the host at the table, he says, Lord, you've provided me so much, and I want to feast at your table. I need your forgiveness. Are you down beating up yourself today? Has something happened in your life, and you need to take your place at the table that's prepared for you in the presence of your enemies? And receive the oil of gladness abundantly in your life. Because that's what we can do with our Lord Jesus Christ. And guess what he does? He says, I got it. You're covered. When Jesus died, he died for our sins, past, present, and future. For he lives not in time. So that provision of the cross is for all time. And so when we ask for forgiveness, it's him extending to us what he already has brought to us. But we need to experience it. And so we say, I want to feast. I want to feast at your forgiveness. You've forgiven me past, present, and future. You forgave me for those attitudes, for my temper that just blew up again that I thought was dead. And those words and what I did. You forgive me. And he says, yep, I forgive you, man. Let's party. That's not what you're thinking. When you're outside the house trying to put it together, you're going like, man, I've got a long ways to go. I'm going to have to really get my act together. I've got to change this and change that. It's got to walk in you know, like a sheepdog. I'm going to go, I don't know. No. And I'm not being facetious with this, with the Lord's forgiveness. We should not take it lightly. 
But if you're a child of the Lord, if the Lord is your shepherd and you do not want, then when you fall, when your enemies attack you, you have a feast to go to. And we take richly of that feast. And foremost on the table is his forgiveness day in and day out, his grace, his understanding. And he says, I got it. You're covered. You're good. Let's move on. But what do we do? We stay there in the bee field and just let them continue to attack us. The little words that come into my mind, you're right, you're right, that's who I am. No, it's a lie. It's a lie from the pit of the hell. And maybe you use somebody that you love in your life to sort of say, you phony. You're not a phony. You're a redeemed child of God who happened to fall down and come under the attack of the enemy. But friends, take your place at the table because the enemies, <laughs> Jesus just lining them up all around. And they get to watch and they're just crushed. Oh my goodness, I can't believe he loves them. I can't believe he's going to forgive them again. I can't believe he's extending to them that kind of grace and encouragement and power through his Holy Spirit. Ah! I love, I love doing that to the enemy. The one I take revenge on. There are demonic attacks that happen to us through the natural courses of life. And David, he was always in these attacks. Look at these verses. This is incredible. Psalm 18. He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of the deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes. Who is the enemy? The foremost enemy is the adversary. Who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster. But the Lord was my support. He brought me into a spacious place. He He rescued me because he delighted in me. Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. For in the day of trouble, He will keep me safe in His dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of His sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. You need to be in the playlist of heaven. This is your weapon. The word of God is a sword. To go against the enemy to go against the naysayers around you. You need the truth, the word of God, and whether it's in the Psalms or elsewhere, you need to dwell in his presence to hear truth from him because the voices around you in our world are so demeaning demeaning and discouraging. You will not make it. Kids, you in school, you will not make it. It's in vogue to be demeaning, to diss on people, whatever it may be that they call it, you need to hear the voice of God seated at his table. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. 
I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. This morning I picked up and I read a Facebook post by Bob Tucker over here about a dear friend of his. And it caught my eye because his friend had the same name as a classmate I had in high school. And because we're trying to organize a high school reunion later this fall, I thought it had to do about him. But it was a friend by the same name. And this friend, sadly, had ended his life. So devastating, my heart hurts, Bob says. He says, I personally witnessed Kenny transition from a gangster lifestyle to father and gentleman doing everything he could to raise his children and for many years doing it as a single parent. He was the type of guy that would give you the shirt off his back. I wish he would have reached out to me during his recent struggles. The following words were written by his son, Kenneth Jr. Feeling left behind, Lord Jesus, please comfort him and his family. And so Kenny Smith Jr. says these words about Kenny Smith Sr. Maybe in another life I could find you there, pulled away from your time. I can't deal. It's so unfair. And it feels, it feels like heaven so far away. And it feels, yea, it feels like the world has gone cold now that you've gone away. He goes on, he says, a little over a week ago on July 5th, I received the news that would turn my world upside down and change my life forever. My father had taken his own life and left my family and I devastated. I miss you, and with all my heart, Dad, I wish I could talk to you one last time. Rest in peace, Dad. The challenges of life are real. If anyone is feeling depressed and oppressed or experiencing feeling of giving up on life, please reach out and talk to someone. Perception of any situation can change. Again, Lord Jesus, please comfort this family, Bob says in closing. The attack bee story is cute, but it's real. And it's killing people. And I'm here today to share with you that that does not have to be the case if we will lead people to sit at the table of the Lord. Invite Jesus into your life. Live for him. Repent and turn from your sins. He will take you as a baby and cause you to grow. You do not change automatically overnight, but over the course of time through his spirit, you can feast at his table day in and day out. How are things with your soul today? With God as my secure and lavish host, I will receive his forgiveness and enjoy his feast of grace, mercy, kindness, tenderheartedness, compassion, unmerited love, peace, rest, joy, happiness, and Holy Spirit renewal each day and every day. Why? For surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Will you pray with me as Joe comes?